It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Anyway, let's talk some English Premier League football because Manchester City have wrapped up another English Premier League title and they've done it comfortably after it was Arsenal that sort of set the early standard or set the set the pace early on but just came undone at the wrong time of the year when Manchester City just started to come right. Andy Buckley, not only is an outstanding football correspondent but he's also a hardcore Manchester City fan. He joins us. Andy, congratulations. What? Thank you very much. What a wonderful day. Yeah, wonder win over Chelsea. Did they present the trophy at home or are you going to have to get it presented to you when Manchester City are playing away? No, no, all done and dusted uh, yesterday. Uh, and uh, it's quite an emotional moment even for me as a City fan because a close friend of mine whose autobiography I've just finished uh, presented the trophy. Uh, Alex Williams is his name. And he played for City in the 80s, first modern-day black goalkeeper in English football, suffered horrific abuse, racist abuse from the terraces in an era when uh, racism was uh, rife uh, in uh, society, certainly in, in, uh, on these shores. Uh, uh, it's still there now, uh, sadly, but uh, for the last 30-odd years, he's been uh, running Manchester City's community programme, which has achieved phenomenal success around Manchester, uh, and a, a kind of a beacon that other clubs have, have tried to emulate, and Alex has run it. Uh, and the City uh, is retiring in August, so City said, would you like to present the trophy to Ilkay Gundogan after the title? It was all hush-hush. He got asked last Monday, and he told me he sworn to secrecy because there's no guarantee City were going to win the title. So when Arsenal lost at Forest, um, City put a press release out to say uh, Alex Williams will present the trophy and I was there to see him walk onto the pitch, uh, sat not too far away from the man, Steve Fleet, who was a legendary goalkeeper for City called Bert Troutman in the 1950s, who, who famously um, broke his neck playing in the FA Cup final and was a German paratrooper in the Second World War. Uh, and the, the guy who sat near me, Steve Fleet, was understudy to Bert Troutman. Uh, for 10 years at City and Steve was Alex's coach when he was in the youth team so uh, it's safe to say there were a few tears shed uh, by Steve as he saw Alex present the trophy to Gundogan present all the medals to the players uh, and uh, it it just rounded off an absolutely special day as Manchester City reserves beat Chelsea When you go go through Manchester City reserves, there's still teams with Alvarez, Stones, Haaland, Mares, De Bruyne. I mean, you go through it, it's unbelievable. Rodri, Foden, um, you know, still. And then you've got the likes of Grealish, etc. just sitting there. Where does this side rank? Is this the best ever Manchester City team? Is this the best ever team to have taken the field in the English Premier League, in an English Premier League season, in in an English League season? Good question, and uh, it's one that uh, over quite a few beers last night we were still uh, having this very same discussion. Hard to say. It's certainly, I mean, if you go on trophies, then uh, I think it, it, it's right that the team is right up there. And if they win the Champions League, if they win the FA Cup and, and, and win the treble, 
then yes. Uh, but others would say, well, hang on a minute, a team that had David Silva, that had Sergio Aguero, that had Yaya Sori, that had Vincent Company, that had Fernandinho in it, weren't they special as well? And the answer to that is yes, they were. But City came up short in Europe under those players. Uh, now they're on the, the threshold of uh, that treble. And also, I think the, the fact that here we are, five wins out of the last six seasons becoming Premier League champions underlines that City's dominance, not just in Manchester, but in, in uh, English football is supreme. Uh, but, but yeah, I think that... And I think one of the strengths is that they haven't got that many players, which might sound a bit weird, uh, but when they did the trophy presentation, there were only 17 or 18 who got the medals. Uh, there's a huge backroom staff of about 40-odd, which sort of three treble the size of the first team squad, or double... Um, but they haven't got that many players, but they're all pretty good. In fact, exceptional. So much so that um, when I jokingly said about City Reserves beating Chelsea uh, yesterday, he'd, he'd left 64 goals on the substitutes bench because he wanted to give the players like Calvin Phillips, um, who's hardly played, uh, give Cole Palmer, give him a game. Uh, and, and also count down towards the next two cup finals, which is, of, of course, the FA Cup and Champions League. So they've got 64 goals on the bench. Erling Haaland is on the bench. De Bruyne is on the bench. Grealish is on the bench. Bernardo Silva, Ilkay Gundogan, John Stones. 64 goals. 14 clubs in the English Premier League this season, which is about to end, didn't score 64 goals, including Manchester United, which just underlines the kind of power and relentlessness. Some might say, well, hang on a minute, is that good for English football that the City are dominated in such a way? And, and it's a good point. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a bit kind of, a bit blasé really yesterday because brilliant sunshine. For once, it was a nice sunny May day in Manchester. Fantastic atmosphere. City do it in such good style in terms of the, the pre-match, the post-match uh, presentation. Uh, the, the Premier League chief exec, Richard Masters, was there with Alex Williams on the platform as the trophy was, was awarded and he got a roundly booed because, of course, City are facing these 115 Premier League charges uh, of uh, relating to accountancy uh, issues, which the club deny. And there will always be this kind of question mark over the ownership, etc., uh, etc. Et but City's net spend uh, over the last five years is, is a fraction of what other clubs, including Chelsea's today's opponents, have spent. So... Uh, all, all sorts of talking points, but uh, for a football fan of, of blue persuasion, yesterday was was quite mm. extraordinary. What has what has been the reason for the turnaround in form of Jack Grealish, um, signed from Aston Villa for a huge amount of money, and struggled initially, struggled in those first seasons, and was almost labelled as a bit of a dud. But he's well and truly come into his own, particularly in the second half of this season. Yeah, uh, I, I just think he's, he's fitted into Guardiola's style of play. And this comes back to Guardiola, really, and, and his magic touch and the way that he can uh, get the best out of players. Um, De Bruyne was 26 when he joined City, uh, and he, you know, he was a kind of Chelsea reject. The City fans were chanting that yesterday, Chelsea reject, sort of mockingly, as if to say, um, you know, we signed a guy that, um, that Chelsea discarded went to Wolfsburg in Germany and came back. And Jack Grealish has, has thrived under Guardiola's coaching. Manu Akanji, who can play anywhere across the back four, has been an absolute star this season. Cost £15 million. He was available. He was being touted around a lot of Europe's clubs uh, less than 12 months ago. And City picked him up for £15 million and said, 
we'll, guess what? I'll turn you it. And Guardiola said, look, I'll give you, I'll coach you. They signed him. He's been a, he's been a revelation. Uh, and Grealish falls into that category. He, he's, he's prospered, uh, an immense talent, an immense fee, but he's prospered under uh, the guidance of, of a genius. Uh, that genius, again, another talking point, will he be there next season? Will Guardiola now walk away into the sunset and say, that's it, I can't beat that, I'm off. Uh, others are saying, well, they've won three in a row, do four in a row, no one's done that. Uh, but at some point he's going to draw, he's going to pull the curtains together and say, that's it, I'm finished at City. Uh, he's not going to stay forever. He's been there seven years already. Uh, so, he, he, you know, he might clear off in the summer. He could go. And a month from now, we could be having a conversation about Pep Guardiola and his legacy and who's going to replace him. All sorts of, uh, of, of, of issues come to light then. But uh, for the moment, we're just sort of kind of basking in the glory and just uh, enjoying it because we've known the dark days as City fans. And, and now is these are these are these are special special times. Erling Haaland, um, remarkable season, but you just get a feeling that City's not going to be his club for life. You just sort of feel a little bit like Cristiano Ronaldo at Manchester United that the Spanish clubs are waiting. What's the sort of general feeling consensus about his tenure yeah. at Manchester City? Certainly, will be there next season. Yeah, I don't think he'll be going anywhere soon, but I do share your view uh, and that commonly held view that it's not for life. Uh, they got a decade or more out of Aguero, and I think these days it's rare for players to spend so long there. But uh, you know what? It's all about finding the next Erling Haaland, the next Sergio Aguero. Um, and uh, I, I saw that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said that he, he, he recommended uh, Harland to United a few years ago for four million pounds. They could have had him, and they turned it down. So it's all about it's all about eyeing the next uh, big stars. That that's the secret to it. And then then not only buying them, but also turning them into into proven uh, winners. And I think that the mood in, in the city camp. There's no kind of superstars really. There's no no. There's not a Ronaldo. There isn't anybody like that. And Erling Haaland, you might say, well, he's the closest to it. He's the guy who gets the He's the guy with the most, uh, you know, shirts on that fans will buy replica shirts. But uh, I think he's kind of pretty well grounded in terms of this is the way that Pep runs the show, and uh, don't get too big for your boots, which Cancelo did, and he got frog marched off to Munich uh, in January on loan, and now Munich, surprise, surprise, don't want him. So you always think the grass is greener, can't you? You know, say, oh. I'll go to Real Madrid and it might not work out. I mean, I think Real Madrid will come again. I think that their era of Benzema and Modric is coming to an end. But they're an institution, Real Madrid, and they will uh, remodel their team. And, you know, it might be Jude Bellingham. It might be Erling Haaland in two or three years. But it's then up to City to try and find the next uh, the next Aguero and Haaland. And what I would say to that is that not only is it Guardiola, but it's the Spanish... Uh, uh, contingent behind the scenes, the chief executive and the, the football director who, who've been there since the start of the, the uh, Abu Dhabi regime. Uh, but they'll go at some stage. So that's when people might think, well, these things go in cycle. It was Liverpool in the 80s, Manchester United in the 90s, Chelsea to a certain extent in the noughties, then came City last decade. It's not going to last forever. We know that. It's not, not here forever. Uh, life isn't like that. Uh, people change, times change, so why not just sort of uh, just just let it sink in and just sort of think, well, the sun's shining, 
and, mm. and life is uh, pretty sweet at the moment for a City fan. Andy Buckley, football commentator, is my guest on the programme. Andy, give us a bit of a feel about what's the feeling like around Manchester, the city itself, uh, always been Manchester City versus Man United. Man United have always been the club that's been able to gloat. Manchester City have always been the poor cousins. What, what's the... Is there a sense of jealousy? Is there um, a sense well, of anxiety? Uh, I mean, give us, give us a yeah, sort of describe yeah, well, United, describe the city and its flavour yeah. at the moment. Well, it's, it's it's nice to walk around with a blue and white scarf and uh, uh, wear it proudly. Uh, and uh, you, we've not always been able to say that. And I, I covered the Manchester United treble in 1999 when I was at the BBC. I was in Barcelona for a week. We did the whole programming from Barcelona for a week where they won the treble. Uh, they'd won the cup final against Newcastle a few days before. And then I came back. I was, Although I was sports editor, I was also the Manchester City reporter, commentator, so, uh, uh, as well as sort of running the whole production from Barcelona. I then came back and on the Sunday was at Gillingham against City in the uh, playoff second division final. City were trying to get out of the third tier. They were 2-0 down, going to stoppage time. Famously got back to two all, won on penalties. Uh, and um, and then that started the kind of climb up through the divisions, which is where which has led to where we are today. So, if you I mention that because that backdrop is important because City's support stayed loyal. So now these golden days, uh, we're enjoying it while United have been floundering for the last decade or so. Uh, so when when Alex Ferguson turned around and said describe City as noisy neighbours more than ten years ago and said, not in my lifetime will Manchester City ever finish above United. Guess what? Uh, it, uh, we, we've seen it big style in terms of City's uh, uh, rubbing United's noses in it. And there was also a famous banner that the Stretford and the Old Trafford and United and Alex Ferguson signed this off, which if ever anybody accuses Manchester City of uh, gloating against United, I'd just say they had a banner and the, the banner changed, and it went to 34 years, and it's sort of like from three, and then it had half tick over to the four, to the five, and then they get changed. In other words, since Manchester City had won a trophy, those years represented since Manchester City last won a trophy, which was in 1976, until they won the trophy again in 2011 when they won the FA Cup in the Carlos Tevez era. And United, as a club, not just the fans, the club, they sanctioned that. So these are days when City fans are just thinking, up yours, pal, because, uh, you know, you you kind of rubbed our noses in it. Now, as the subplot to that, uh, it's the FA Cup final, guess what, a week on Saturday, and it's Manchester City against Manchester United. Mm. Two teams can stop City winning the treble, Inter Milan and Manchester United. Mm. United, have a, for, for all those Reds around the world, of which there are many, I know Liverpool and United have got bigger fan bases than City, far bigger. Than, than any other club bar Real Madrid and Barcelona probably uh, th- those two teams can spike Pep Guardiola's moment of magic his finest hour he had his finest hour at the Etihad last week when we beat Real Madrid 4-0 and, and you know he, he's going to be uh, I, I was sat about 20 yards away from him yesterday uh, and he's patrolling the touchline and you're just thinking what's going through that man's mind uh, there he was um, j- just stalking the touchline, fourth official getting it in the neck. You know the script, really, in terms of the way that managers are these days. But, in fairness to him, you know, he's given City, uh, what is it, uh, five wins out of six, last six seasons, winning the 
the title uh, and now we're on the, the brink of, of a glorious treble and uh, it's just um, magical. It's absolutely magical. The sad thing is for me, Mark, can I just mention this, I can't see the Champions League final. I will not even know the score because I'm going to, on Saturday, I'm going to Florida, I'm going to Disney World with my son, his wife, my two granddaughters, holiday of a lifetime. When we were in Alabama last year, my son booked it. He said, do you want to go into Disney World, uh, Dad? <laughs> With the girls, yeah, fantastic. So he booked it, and he's as sick as I am. And we're in the air, uh, coming back from Orlando to Manchester, whilst the game is in progress. There's no Wi-Fi on this plane, so I will have not have a clue what the Champions League final uh, is going to end up as. I'm going to get at Manchester Airport, and I'll see City fans wearily coming home. They'll either be smiling or sad. And I, I can't see it, and it, it's. But there are bigger things in life than a game of football, I suppose, and uh, you know, special moments on holiday. Yeah, Andy. Look, but on that, I mean, for the true for true greatness, they need to win that Champions League. If they don't, there's still that asterisk next to this this era, isn't there? There is. Yeah. No, I get that. I get that. Um, and if, if they lose those two big games that I mentioned, if they lose to United, and if they lose to Inter Milan then it, it will tarnish the season, really. I mean, City fans and Guardiola will say, you know, over 10 months, you win your league, then you are the best. And that is the priority, the, the Premier League. But you're dead right. The Champions League is, is the, the holy grail as far as City concerned. So to sweep the board and get all three uh, would be monumental. What also is monumental as well, and we've spoken about the World Cup and its impact on the season, is I remember covering City against... Liverpool in the Community Shield, I think we spoke around about that time, that was in July, mm. and City are going to finish their season now on June the 10th, it's going to be virtually a 12-month season, and City had more players at the World Cup than any other English team, just bear that in mind, more players, The good, and I was mentioned this over a beer last night to a few City pals, and they said, yeah, but what was good about it was that De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, De Bruyne for Belgium, Bernardo Silva, Ruben Dias for per- Portugal, and, and Rodri for Spain, they got knocked out reasonably early. It was only the English that got to the semi-final. Um, and it meant that they had a little bit of two or three weeks of a kind of a mini break in the season. So it helped. And they've not all played all the games for City because he rotates the squad. So perversely, it's in what is arguably the toughest season because of its duration and its demands and the gruelling pressures of international club football. You know, and yet here we are. You know, we're staggering towards the finishing line, but majestically, Manchester City are marching on towards potential treble glory. You know, I find it fascinating. Maybe I'm a bit of a football saddo, but I do, I do find that kind of uh, dynamic of it quite intriguing. Oh, we love your passion, Andy. That's why we get you on every week. Hey, look, uh, lovely to catch up, mate, and congratulations again as a Manchester City fan on what has been a remarkable season. Pleasure. Good to speak to you, Mark. All the best.